Good morning. It's good to be back at IRA. Good to see so many familiar faces. And it's good to see some new faces too. <laughs> so that's always good. Um, I want to just share with you uh, briefly a little bit about uh, what is happening in our lives and the changes changes that the Lord is uh, bringing. Um, when uh, um, when the biggest part of COVID um, uh, was over and we began looking at uh, trying to reopen things with Child Evangelism Fellowship, there was new directions that we were considering and praying about. Uh, some of the old uh, avenues of ministry um, have not come back. And uh, so we began to pray and see what the Lord would have. And during that time, uh, the Lord just really impressed on my heart that uh, my time had come to an end, that um, the Lord would use someone else to uh, revitalize the ministry and get the ministry going again and so forth. And, um, and there are many different ways that the Lord kept reconfirming that to me. And so um, I did hand in my resignation and uh, <clears throat> finished with CEF without really uh, knowing any future direction. And uh, so you have to pay bills. So I went up to uh, Pond Hill Stables and uh, began feeding and cleaning and working with horses up there. Um, I had never been around horses. <laughs> I did some dairy work for a few years and so forth, but uh, never horses. So I'm following my daughter, who's a, a barn manager up in uh, South Hero now, working with horses. And uh, so the Lord opened that door uh, of opportunity for us. And so I've been doing that for the last three months or so now. Um, and I just thank you so much for the support that this church has uh, been to our family over the years. Um, to be a missionary on the mission field, um, it's, it's great as we were talking in Sunday school, it's great to know that the Lord has called you because there's a lot of times that uh, really you think about quitting because it's just too hard. Um, but then you remember that, hey, God has called you uh, to this ministry, and so you press on. And the other part of that, as we talked in Sunday school is as well, <clears throat> is that there's uh, churches, people that make up churches, that uh, are praying for you and that are concerned about your ministry and about uh, your family and about how things are going. And um, that always uh, has been a source of real encouragement to us as well, knowing that we have a partnership uh, with you folks here and knowing that um, uh, you're in that ministry with us and that uh, through difficult times, as well as the, the great times, um, that you're sharing that with people that have made it possible for you to be on the mission field. You know, when we went through some great typhoons, some super typhoons um, out on Guam, we know that people here were praying for us. 
when we were able to celebrate the purchasing of a um, $250,000 property to build a camp, we could uh, be mindful that people here were praising the Lord too uh, for what he, he was doing. And so we just thank you so much for that. Uh, many times I have referred to uh, 1 Samuel, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I have probably preached from 1 Samuel here in the past. But just to, to briefly, uh, very briefly, remind you of that story is so important. Um, in that story, David and his men are uh, coming back home to a um, village that has been uh, lit on fire and burnt. And the enemy had come <clears throat> and taken all of his family members, wives and sons and daughters and all, and had driven them away and were bringing them uh, back to their home. And David uh, stopped and prayed and asked the Lord what he should do. And the Lord um, laid upon David's heart to go after them and chase them down and get their uh, family members back again. And so David was obedient and he did that. Um, they had must have traveled for several days and uh, were not gaining any ground. <clears throat> and so they had all the things from warring because they had been to war with the Philistines um, prior to this happening. And so they had all this equipment that they had with them and so forth. Um, and it was really slowing them down. And so they came to this Brook Bay shore and, um, and the men came to David and said, you know, we, we just can't continue on anymore. Uh, probably some of the older folks that uh, just couldn't run as fast as the younger folks. And so uh, they volunteered to stay behind with what the Bible calls the stuff um, while David and the men uh, could take off and make better ground, better time, and take off after the enemy. And so that's what happened. Uh, God allowed David to overcome the enemy and get all their stuff back. Um, and not only all their wives and sons and daughters and material possessions that were taken, but also additional material possessions because uh, this band had gone around and visited many villages and took the loot from there. And so David and the men come back to the brook. When they get to, back to the brook, uh, some of the men that were with him, some of the 400, uh, went and said, um, we're, we're not going to um, share with those that have stayed behind at the brook. Because we are the ones that went out and overtook the people. We are the ones that battled. We are the ones that were victorious while they sat back here. And so we'll give them their family members, and then they can go on their way. Well, in verse 22 of that passage, um, the Bible calls them wicked men for that kind of attitude. So David goes before the congregation and he says, no, he says, we're going to divide alike. Because David realized that if those men weren't willing to stay behind with all the stuff and to take care of things there, then 
he and the other members wouldn't have been able to overtake and conquer and get back um, all their things. And so David says, no, we're going to divide alike. And I tell that story because I think it's so related to missions. You know, there's people who are called to go and go off on a mission field and serve the Lord and so forth. But that's only part of the team. As the Bible refers to the church as a, as a body with many members, I think a missionary is just a member of a church body and that they're part of what the church is doing. And so uh, there are those that are called to go and go and preach and um, see victory and uh, are able to do God's work. And then there are those that are staying behind by the stuff and supporting those that go. And the work can't be accomplished without both of them doing what God intends for them to do. And so as I look back over the years of ministry that we've had, um, I'm so thankful. And I look back, especially over those kids uh, that we ministered to on the island of Guam uh, for all those years. And, um, and are just so thankful and will be thankful because I believe in heaven, uh, you'll have an opportunity to meet those kids. And you'll realize then, if you haven't before, <clears throat> that you've been a vital part <clears throat> of them hearing the gospel and being saved. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, this has always been a missions-minded church, no doubt about it. But I just want to encourage you to realize that you have a great position as a mission-minded church with all those missionaries that you do support. Um, they need you in so many ways, and you'll be blessed because you're an equal part, an equal part, because neither part could exist and, and, and could be successful without the other part. So I just want to encourage you with that today. Um, as far as reviewing uh, our ministry, I thought it might be easier to do that with some pictures. And... Uh, <clears throat> So uh, Lee and I then are uh, uh, sort of, I guess, retiring now, although not fully. <laughs> and the Lord still has some things, and I'll share uh, with those in just a minute. Uh, but when we started out in 1985, uh, this next one shows this is what our family looked like, okay? 1985, when we started with Child Evangelism Fellowship. And then not too longer, long after we were in Syracuse, uh, the Lord added another member to our family. And uh, Kristen was born. And uh, uh, she, over the years, has been a great part of our, our ministry. And so the Lord used us in Syracuse for about five years. And just before we left uh, Syracuse and came to Vermont, uh, our third child, Micah, was added to the family. And... Um, so when we came to Vermont and met many of you for maybe the first time, uh, this is probably a familiar looking picture for some of you because <laughs> this is how you probably, uh, what we looked like when we first met you. 
but the Lord continued on. <clears throat> and so uh, two years after that, then um, faith was added to the family and uh, um, was, uh, was a big part of our ministry um, through the years, especially I think of all of these guys. Remember the puppet ministry that we had for a while. Uh, they were all part of that puppet ministry that we had. Um, and then after faith comes Heather. Um, as we're headed out to Guam, um, we left for Guam without 100% support. And that was because if we left for Guam the day we did, the day before Heather's birthday, we didn't have to pay for Heather on the plane. <laughs> so they allowed us to go a little bit early. And uh, we flew out to Guam um, uh, with Heather as a little one. And then on Guam, the Lord continued to bless us as a family. And uh, hope was added uh, two years after that. And then lastly came uh, Micah. I uh, came Wesley. I'm sorry. Came Wesley. And so this is our front yard at our mission home in Guam. Um, and the Lord has blessed us uh, the Lord just knew that if we were going to minister to kids, we really had to understand kids. And the only way you're going to understand kids is if you have seven of them, right? <laughs> and so for our family, anyways, that's how it, how it worked out. And so uh, a little bit more modern uh, pictures now that we've been, this our, our last picture before leaving Guam uh, in our church there. And then this is what the family looks like today. Uh, going from Zach, the oldest, on the left, right on through to Wesley. Um, this is what all these little kids look like today. They're grown young men and women. And uh, so next picture shows, I think, yep. Uh, very seldom do we get all the guys together again. And even less uh, uh, often do we allow somebody to take our picture. And so uh, this is, we were up at the Addison County Fair uh, this last year. And uh, so they said, hey, all the guys are here. And so uh, they got us together to take a picture. The girls, it's pretty easy to get them together for a picture. And so here, uh, here's a picture of the four girls. <laughs> and then I think I have one more there. Or is that the last one? Yep. That was the last one. Okay. That's good that that's the last one. <laughs> so we just thank you for being part of our ministry uh, all along through the years um, and uh, look forward to what God has for us. And uh, the Lord has revealed, I've been working over there at the stables now for th about three months. And uh, he has uh, burdened my heart uh, for a ministry. And so as many of you know, in 1980 um, is when I came to know the Lord, and that was through the ministry of Truthville Baptist Church over there in North Granville. And, um, and, um, and so uh, in talking with pastor over there um, and so forth, um, we're going to begin a ministry of Truthville Baptist Church that'll be called Chapel Ministries. And um, there are nine uh, Christian schools within two hours uh, of our home in Wells. And so what we're gonna do is uh, 
offer to be able to go to the Christian schools uh, for chapel services. Um, I know when we did a little bit of that with CEF, um, the schools, you know, they depend on their faculty uh, for their chapel services and everything. And they always seemed real excited if they could have a missionary come by and uh, share with the kids. And so we're gonna do that as a ministry to, from uh, through Truthville Baptist Church. Uh, some of our other pastors and churches have been encouraging us um, not to get out of ministry, but to stay involved. And uh, so some of them are going to continue to uh, send finances and support our ministry in this, this new ministry now uh, of um, sharing with boys and girls in chapel services. And um, so that's the direction that we're headed in and would surely appreciate your prayers as God would continue to lead us and direct us um, and establish this. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I always enjoy um, chapels. Um, the schools here are a little bit different. The, the school that our church was involved in in, in Guam, uh, when I did the elementary chapel, I had over 400 kids there. Um, and so it was quite a big ministry. And But I've always had lots of fun uh, sharing with boys and girls in, in that type of setting. And so I look forward to what the Lord would have through that. So appreciate so much your prayers over uh, the years. Can't tell you really how much uh, they were a blessing to us. Uh, and ask that you continue to pray for us as the Lord continues to direct in our lives. Passage of scripture that I'd like to share with you. You know, uh, probably the most familiar passage of scripture, even for those who are not believers, is probably John 3.16, right? And then as you look at a passage of scripture, uh, maybe the most familiar passage of scripture would be Psalm 23. And so if you want to turn with me to Psalm 23, um, I, don't, I don't know what you do for your daily Bible reading and study and so forth, <clears throat> uh, but sometimes I get stuck on a passage. And for a little while here, I've been stuck on Psalm 23, and the Lord has just been showing me uh, so many things there. And I just wanted to briefly uh, touch on um, uh, one of the things that God has shown me here. And I think it's very much related to maybe today's theme of, of hope, of hope. So let's go through, if you'll follow along with me as I read uh, Psalm 23. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me by still waters. He restores my soul, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yet, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before uh, before me in the presence of mine enemies. 
Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The passage of scripture that I want us to uh, look at is a tremendous promise that we have. Um, I don't know um, uh, how you feel about promises God gives us in his word, but I think he gives us so many promises um, because he wants to use those um, to teach us. And so he gives us these promises that these promises can strengthen us and these promises can help us to stand when otherwise we might not. And in verse 4 is where I want us to uh, spend some time together this morning. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And here, it's interesting to note what the passage does not say. Um, it does not say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death. Because there's two different valleys. There's the valley of death that we will all walk through one day. But then there are these valleys that are the shadow of that death. And that, I think, speaks of those real difficult times. Those real times of testing in our lives. Where it seems like we're in the valley of death. But no, we're just in that valley of the shadow of death. <clears throat> this is a shepherd's song. Um, and so the picture that, um, that probably those um, who were recipients of David's uh, writings here <clears throat> would have envisioned something a little bit different maybe than what we would envision. When we envision a valley, we envision a low spot with usually some rolling hills along the side, right? That would make up a, a valley. Uh, but that's not the kind of valley that it's talking about here. This is a valley where the sides of the valley are very sharp. And so as the shepherd is leading these sheep down through the valley, it's dark in the valley. And sheep are afraid in the dark and can get very, very fearful thinking that they're in the valley of death where they're only in the valley of the shadows of that death. And so here they are walking through this valley uh, seemingly a very, very dark place, very, very troublesome place. One of the things that I like to think of um, when I think of this valley is you think of all the times that, um, and we're going to look at one, all the time that uh, fishermen are out on the Sea of Galilee, right? And we hear the stories how these storms would come from nowhere. 
Well, no, the, the storms come along just like every other place. But the difference is, is that the mountains on the side of the Sea of Galilee are very sharp. And so you don't get to see those uh, storm clouds forming and gathering until they're right over you. And you, and you, you are uh, surprised by that and taken back by that. And so that's, that's more of the picture of what David is trying to convey to us when he says that we walk through the valley of not death, but walking through this valley of the shadow of death. What, um, what does that mean for Christians? Sometimes you and I can go through some very dark valleys in our lives. But Christians, um, as they walk through the valley, sometimes we forget that there are other Christians who are not in the valley. And so we are experiencing some very trying, testing times. And it's like, whoa, no, nobody... Nobody gets where I'm at here. You know, nobody understands what I'm going through. And that's because other people are not in that valley. They're up on the mountainside. They, they have the sun and the sun is out and, and everything is going great for them, which only frustrates those who are in the valley. <laughs> But they are those, those two different places. So for the Christians, um, when we are through the valley, how can we not be fearful? How can we not be fearful? Well, I'm glad that David continues on uh, in that verse and says, I fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Now, I think that's the most important reason why God allows us to go through those valleys of the shadows. Because he wants to teach us something about himself. We can't learn those up on the mountaintops where it's sunny and beautiful and we're just enjoying life. That's not where real lessons are learned. So for the Christian, he allows us to go through these valleys. Why? Because it, it turns us towards him. It turns us towards him. And so we can be mindful that we don't have to fear. Why? Because God is with us. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We share this with boys and girls after they've come to know Christ as their Savior. One of the first things we do in counseling is to let them know that God promises, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And Joshua 1.5, uh, God tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, and no one really questions the fact that God was with Moses, 
As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Many times promises in the Bible, like this one, <clears throat> are ones that we can read about and that we can understand and say, oh, yes, I realize that. Now that I know the Lord Jesus as my Savior, I'll never be alone. He will always be there with me. And we know that. We know that up here. But God wants to do so much more with that. God wants to know that in here. And the only way that we can take our head knowledge and bring it to a reality in the way that you and I live our lives is if we experience that. Not just read it in a book, but experience it in our lives. And so oftentimes it is a hard time to go through a valley. <clears throat> but God allows us to do that so that we can understand and know him better. Not just in our minds, but in our hearts as well. So that those things that we know can transform our lives and to make us react differently when situations come. And you've heard stories probably of unbelievers that look at believers in hard times and say, wow, you know, uh, how come you're singing and praising God when you should be so angry? And for non-Christians, they, they can't understand that. But for believers, we can experience that in our lives. So how do we then, when we walk through that valley, what's, what helps us to be successful? Well, number one is knowing that God is with us. But I think there's a second key uh, in this passage as well, where it says, though I walk through the valley. David didn't get into the valley and allow himself to be so overcome with fear that it crippled him and that he stopped or that he sat down or that he quit. No, it says, I walk through the valley. So one of the keys is to know that God is with us. And I think another key is to keep walking. When, when we're in a difficult time in our lives, when we're facing things that can overwhelm us, and if we allowed them, they would overwhelm us and cripple us. But we have to be mindful. Hey, I'm walking through this valley. There is an end to this valley. And if I just keep walking, God's going to see me through it. And we'll be able to experience the victory that God would have for us out on the other side. A couple of passages that I want to have you turn with me. Uh, 
and examine. And I'm not going to make a whole lot of common commentary on these other passages because really they're just supporting passages. They're just passages that say pretty much the same thing a little bit differently. So if you want to turn over just to Psalm 34. And see what David says in Psalm 34. You probably see some similarities. Beginning with verse 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Uh, they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord will not want any good thing. Another passage of scripture in the New Testament is found in the book of Mark. And in this passage, this is the passage I referred to where the disciples were uh, crossing over the Sea of Galilee with the Lord Jesus. And in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 37, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and they say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The disciples had a lot of head knowledge as to who the Lord Jesus was at this point, but they hadn't experienced it in their lives. It really hadn't gotten to their heart yet. And to see the Lord Jesus stand up and rebuke the winds and waves and have them stop immediately. Wow, what manner of man is this? They were experiencing uh, what they thought in their head was true. And they were overwhelmed with what the Lord Jesus was doing. The last one I want us to look at is in back in Psalms. In Psalm 56, verse 3, one of the valleys that our family has come through is that in uh, 1989, we had an, uh, a child born, uh, Nicholas, that was with us for just a month. 
and the Lord took them home. And for a bunch of people so involved with children's ministries, and maybe that made it even harder on us, but it was a dark, dark valley. And on uh, Nicholas's uh, stone, we had uh, Psalm 56, 3 in, engraved in there, where uh, in this Psalm, it says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in him. Know that God is with us during difficult times. He doesn't allow us to go through those things um, just because, well, no better reason than uh, uh, just because, you know, it's our turn. But God allows us to go through these things in order to change us as to who we are. And we all don't go through the same valleys. We all don't go through the same valleys at the same time. Because God's purpose and plan for each one of us is different. So he knows the valleys that you have to go through. And he knows how deep those valleys need to be in order for you to be successful when you come out of that valley and you go on with your life. God uses uh, the valley of the shadow of death in many ways in our lives. I think we need to be encouraged that number one, when we go through a valley that we keep going, keep walking. Just day by day, right? We face those trials, those temptations, those difficult times. Just you wake up the next morning and you get through that day. And you wake up the next morning and you get through that day. Knowing that God is with us. And that God has a plan and a purpose in everything that he allows to come our way. And that plan and the purpose, key to that, is that we have to know who our God is that we serve. The disciples went on to do some amazing things in service for the Lord. It was because they went through some valleys where they learned about how God works in people's lives and the way he accomplishes his will and purpose for us. Hope? Yeah. God wants you and I to have hope. If we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we have his promise that he'll always be with us. We don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes I look at people and I look at the valleys that they go through and I wonder how in the world do they keep walking when they don't have the assurance that Christ is with them. I just don't know that. How does somebody go through the experience of losing a child, uh, not knowing Christ and that Christ is under control? He has everything under control. How do unbelievers go through that? I don't know how they do. 
But when we've come to know Christ as our Savior, he gives us a promise, a promise of hope that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our time together and your word this morning. I pray that you will be able to use your word, Psalm 23, in the hearts and lives of your people here this morning. I pray that you would uh, help us to better understand our walk with you. And that as we continue to walk, you'll continue to be with us and you'll guide us and you'll direct us along your path that's individually chosen for each one of us this morning. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.